Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast. What happened to the Timberwolves game one blowout loss to the Denver Nuggets? What's wrong with Carl Anthony Towns? What's wrong with the Timberwolves offense? We're going to break it all down on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Lockdown. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Lockdown. Happy Monday, everybody. And, uh, it's a not so happy Monday after a Timberwolves blowout loss in game one to Denver. Um, we're going to talk all about it on the show here today. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, so big win, obviously coming coming off of uh, you know Friday, playing your way, not exactly backing your way into the playoffs. You know, finishing on that like winner go home performance Friday, right? Like there's momentum coming into the playoffs. Denver's been sitting at home for a week; they had not played in seven days, so. And of course, we saw throughout the weekend these upsets, right? Milwaukee losing to Miami. We saw um, the seven seed Lakers beating the second seeded Grizzlies. We saw all kinds of weird things, home teams losing all over the place. Um, so there was a lot, I don't want to say a lot to like, but coming into this game on Sunday, it, oh, and the other thing is, is, um, Denver is not your typical one seed in terms of win total, right? They won, what, 52 games in the regular season. Most years, that's probably a three seed in terms of win total. And the Wolves are a little bit more formidable than your typical eight seed, right? I mean, this is a team that was expected to win 50 games this season um, that has a couple of multi-time All-NBA players, multiple former All-Stars. Like, it's a better team, a more seasoned team, despite however many times the TNT broadcast said the young wolves don't have much playoff experience. Don't believe that for a second. Um, virtually everyone in the rotation has play. In fact, I think literally everybody's played in at least a playoff game that's in the rotation. And then you consider the experience of Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince. Like, I mean, that's half the rotation right there. Anyway, uh, it, the wolves are a more formidable, I think is a fair word, eight seed than you're usually going to see. So there's a lot to like about how competitive the series could be, and it might still be. And we saw a lot of that for the first really quarter and a half, I guess really the majority of the first half on Sunday in game one. Um, the Timberwolves were only down three at the end of the first quarter. They were down 11 at halftime, but I, I, they shot the ball terribly in the first half. Carl Towns had four points at halftime and didn't really get going until mid-second quarter. And I said as much on Twitter at halftime, like, hey, I mean, they're not going to shoot worse than they did in the first half, which is, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. It's mostly true. They shot basically the same in the second half. So they shot about as bad, like the Wolves shot 37% in this game, 30% from three and 56% at the free throw line. I I mean, if they have another game, if they ever, sh the rest of the series, if they have a game where they shoot worse than this, then they're 
obviously going to get swept and blown out in all four games. Like there, how many games this year would they possibly have shot worse than this? I'm recording this like right after the game. So I obviously didn't have time to look that up, but I doubt they've ever shot worse than 37, 30 and 56 in terms of their slash line uh, this season. I mean, just a miserable shooting performance. They scored 80 points in a 48 minute NBA regulation length basketball game. Like that's weird. That's not going to happen again. All things considered, I thought the first half actually shook out pretty well, minus missing a few too many open shots, not getting to the line enough, and I want to get a little bit more into that here in a minute. The big story for me is is Carlton Town's struggles, the lack of offensive cohesiveness, and actually what I thought was a pretty good defensive performance for Minnesota. I mean, Denver scored 32 points in the third quarter. In the moment, it felt like an avalanche because the Wolves simply could not score, but that was their best scoring quarter. Minnesota held Denver below 30 points in the other three quarters. This is a really, really good offensive team. Jokic had to work for everything. He only scored 13 points and he fouled out. And I know that you want to make him a scorer, right? You want to make Jokic score instead of distribute. We only had six assists. He also only played 28 minutes because he fouled out quickly and it was a blowout. But he only attempted three free throws. Like I thought the Wolves in general, it was an encouraging defensive performance. And we'll dig into that a little bit more too. So let's start with, um, let's start with the second quarter because the Wolves, again, were competitive in the first quarter. And this is when things kind of started to, I, I, they didn't really unravel in the first half, but there were the beginning signs that, that the thread was going to be pulled on here for the Wolves. And ultimately what happened, happened. So second quarter, close game, the Timberwolves get into the bonus with about eight and a half minutes left in the quarter. So the Nuggets have already are already in the penalty. Minnesota, from the eight and a half minute mark on in the second quarter, attempted four free throws, and they were both in the final like minute and a half. They were two of four on free throws the rest of the way, despite Denver being in the penalty for more than uh, for more than two thirds the second frame. That to me was where things started to really, really like roll downhill for Minnesota in a very bad way was the lack of aggression. Ant had a nice bump in there. He had a couple of consecutive mid-range jumpers. Um, you know, they scored on a putback right after that. Like the offense, it just kind of felt like there was more activity. And uh, I, in the moment, it actually felt like both teams were exhausted because they played so hard defensively in the first quarter. So I don't know that it was any sense of offensive rhythm for either Minnesota or Denver. I think it was a lack of, uh, uh, the, the defense simply ran out of gas. Like both teams defended so hard in the first quarter. That, to me, was really what happened in the middle portion of the second quarter. But then Minnesota kind of settled. Like, there were a couple Kyle Anderson mid-range push shots. There were some Ant mid-range shots. Um, There were some long jumpers. And the Wolves kind of held their own. But then Denver found a little bit more of a rhythm offensively, and they were just a little bit better on defense. And Minnesota ended up with four free throw attempts in the final eight and a half minutes of the second quarter, despite being in the bonus. And they only made two of those four attempts. I think it was Noel was one of two and Ant was one of two. Um, That, to me, is where things really started to turn in a bad way for Minnesota. Um, In the third quarter, things just, the snowball continued rolling down the hill, but it happened, like, very clearly, Denver came out of the locker room and said, okay, we can punch them. They're probably not going to punch us back, which the Wolves did in the first quarter. The Wolves punched back a couple of times, but in the third quarter, it was just an absolute avalanche, um, you know, snowball rolling downhill, whatever winter metaphor, you know, Denver, I don't know, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use. That's what happened in the third quarter. Um, Denver was making open shots 
actually they were generating open shots, which the Wolves weren't really, and then they were making them. Denver was 41% on three-point attempts. The Wolves were 30.6%, just 11 of 36. They attempted three less and made five less than Denver from outside the arc. Um, that was a major issue in this game. Uh, it, it really, by the time we were in the third quarter and Denver came out and Minnesota couldn't counterpunch immediately in the third quarter, at that point it was it was the Wolves were in trouble. I mean, that's just kind of where we were at at that moment in time. Um, a couple other things stood out to me in terms of individual matchups and the box score um, and and things that I thought uh, just stood out as the biggest issues for Minnesota. Things to keep an eye on moving forward. We'll do that next, and then we'll do individual studs and duds. Um, so we're going to get to all that here in just a moment. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks On Wednesday night, Wolves Nuggets, I'm going to take Rudy Gobert rebounds over. I, I actually think Rudy's going to rebound well Wednesday. He rebounded well in stretches in this game. We've got a couple more nights off. Outside of Joker, it's not like Denver has you know uh, a bunch of guys that are awesome defensive rebounders. Um, so I think Rudy maybe pads some offensive stat li- offensive rebounding numbers on Wednesday. So that's what I would do on prize picks. If you're not familiar with prize picks, I'll tell you how it works. You just pick two to six players. If they'll score more or less points than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NBA, of course, as well as the NHL. Now in the playoffs, baseball, regular season action, a couple weeks into that season, any college sports, really anything. Your entries can be made in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is tomorrow on the show. We are going to further break down this matchup. We didn't really get to do a series preview coming right out of the play in tournament into the first round series. So I want to talk about why there's still hope. Obviously we're one game into the series, but why the Wolves still have hope to make this a series, you know, make it go at least six or seven and have a shot to win the series to shock the world, if you will, eight over one against the Denver Nuggets. So that will be on Tuesday's show. Uh, we got two, two more shows before the next game on Wednesday night. All right. Uh, next though, related to Sunday's game, I want to dig in a bit on a couple of things that stood out to me. I talked already a little bit about how the Wolves made Jokic work. I thought that that was the Wolves actually had a pretty good plan against him. At times, Towns was on Jokic. They tried to collapse on him if he put the ball on the floor. They, you know, to a fault a little bit. Like there was that one play that got replayed endlessly on TNT where Prince got sucked too far in. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Michael Porter. No, it wasn't. Kentavious Caldwell Pope, maybe whoever his man was um, on the on the right sideline, and Prince got sucked too far in allowed his guy the open jumper. And of course, Joker would much rather pass the ball than shoot it against, you know, what would have been a double team uh, down low. So, you know, the Wolves, to a fault, I think, were a little too focused on stopping Joker offensively. But especially early, they did a good job at trying to make him into a scorer. And for the most part, defended him without fouling. Towns got it kind of a cheapy early, but, but the Wolves did a good job with that. Joker only attempted three free throws in this game. At the same time, Nikhil Alexander-Walker forced Jamal Murray to miss his first, I think it was four shots in this game. And I know Murray ended up having a really good game. He got going, though, when Alexander-Walker wasn't on the floor. Um, and 
for the most part, I thought Alexander Walker defended him very, very well. It was kind of shades of what we saw against Shea Gilgis Alexander on Friday. I thought I thought Nikhil Alexander Walker did much of that. Now, obviously, Jamal Murray is a little bit more dynamic in terms of the different ways he can score versus SGA. Um, SGA got to the line like he does, but wasn't efficient from the field. Jamal Murray ended up shooting the ball extremely well after missing his first several shots. Um, after that, he shot the ball really well. He still finished nine of twenty-two. Like for the most part, twenty-four points on twenty-two shots. Like that's not generally all that efficient, but he also had eight assists, only one turnover and was the leading scorer in the game was the biggest reason that Denver kind of opened this thing up in the middle stages. But again, early, I thought Alexander Walker did enough to earn him that same role. Um, he, he also drew a couple of offensive fouls on, on moving screens. Like I, I think he needs to play that same role here, you know, next time out on Wednesday night. Um, the next like biggest thing that was an issue for the Wolves is role player play. Every single one of Denver's role players was better than all of the Wolves. Uh, Bruce Brown killed the Wolves off the bench. He was really good in this game. Contavious Caldwell-Pope did his thing. He knocked down three threes, had 15 points on six of 11 shooting. Uh, those are the two that stuck out the most to me. But you go down, on down the roster, like Aaron Gordon, besides some early foul trouble, was solid. Michael Porter Jr. was really good, 18 and 11. Um I mean, I guess those those guys were the biggest ones, but Brown and Caldwell Pope stuck out to me. And you look at the Wolves, like what Conley hit a couple of shots, but they needed more from him. Nikhil Alexander Walker, we talked about his defense. I thought he was good very early in this game, especially first quarter. Torian Prince, no points in 21 minutes, and I thought poor defense in general. Kyle Anderson was good. Um, Jordan McLaughlin was not. Like I, I think you point at Jalen Noel was a little bit of a roller coaster as he often is. I think you need more auditorium Prince. You need more out of Mike Conley. Um, and like Jordan McLaughlin's really struggled lately. I don't know how much leash he's got moving forward, but when he plays, he needs to play better. Like those are the three that I would call out. And you look at, at the Nuggets and almost anybody on their roster that played, played really well. And I again, I'd highlight KCP and uh, Bruce Brown were both really, really good in this game. Um, you could also say I thought Christian Brown was was decent too. The stat line wasn't, um, you know, eye popping for him. Three points, three rebounds in nineteen minutes, but he was active. Um, obviously, got under the skin of Kyle Anderson. Uh, so again, the point here is Nuggets role players were better than Timberwolves role players, and that was a significant issue in this game for Minnesota. And I know that, like, you look at the, of course, the Wolves need more out of Carl Anthony Towns, like. And we're going to talk individual studs and duds. Don't worry. They need more out of Towns. They need more out of Edwards. They need more out of Gobert. We have hardly talked about Gobert. He had eight points. He did have 13 boards, but eight points on five shots in this game. So yeah, uh, go up and down the roster. You're not going to find very many Wolves players that you would say played well in general or put together a complete game. I mean, they scored 80 points on 37% shooting. So like who possibly could have had a good game for the Wolves, right? But the role players to me, stick out as to what helped Denver separate in the second and third quarters. It wasn't, and ultimately it was Jamal Murray, but like it was Bruce Brown getting the and one and knocking down a three and Contavious Caldwell Pope hitting a big three to stretch the lead from like 12 to 15 or whatever it was. Like those moments are the moments, like you just kept waiting for Torian Prince to hit an open three and he couldn't do it. You kept waiting for Nikhil Alexander-Walker to hit an open three and he hit a couple early, but then beyond that, he couldn't do it. Uh, like, Jordan McLaughlin, another open corner three that he misses. Those moments, on top of your stars are already getting outplayed, that's what compounds things and makes this a 29-point loss instead of, you know, you're in it till the end and you're fighting and you're scratching and you're clawing. It's, yes, it's on the stars, 
But all the stuff in the margins also went against you in this game. The role players went against you in this game. That adds up for a 29-point loss. You can't have all that stuff go wrong and expect this to be a palatable you know, deficit or, or ultimately um, you know, uh, margin of loss. Um, and then, of course, the headline in terms of like if you're just going to say, well, what was the issue with the game? Give it to me in one sentence. It's a lack of offensive rhythm. And this continues to be the biggest problem with this year's team, which is obviously extremely oversimplified. We could get into the nuts and bolts, and we have on this show. Um, but going back to October, there's been a real issue with offensive rhythm for Minnesota. Almost like even when there were good stretches, you know, it was it was still more like, okay, Ants in a groove. Or, um, I mean, that's usually what it was, right? Or like uh, for a little while, for a short stretch early in there, it was D'Angelo Russell was, was in a groove. Um, Carl Anthony Towns missed so many games, it was rarely him. But it there was never this sense of, this offense knows what it is besides like some games, it would be more of an ant game. Some games, it's more of a cat game. Some games you have a little more pick and roll going other games. You know, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert have had a couple games where they had great chemistry, but it's just not been consistent. And when things break down, they really break down. And we saw that in the second half against the Lakers, specifically the fourth quarter in overtime last Tuesday in the first playing game. And we saw that in a big way for basically the entire game against the Nuggets in game one. I mean, the Wolves' best quarter was 23 points in the first, and that's with both Cat and Ant really struggling from the field. So a lack of offensive rhythm, as oversimplified as that is, and a lack of of solutions to what Denver throws at the Wolves, um, a lack of an ability to... to read the defense and read and react, which is, which is something we talked extensively about this. I think it was after the Lakers lost last week. Um, when I kind of dove into like Chris Finch talks about putting bumpers on the offense and wanting things, wanting players to play within these bumpers or these parameters of the offense and just kind of read and react and have a free flowing offense. This team has not shown the ability to do that. And it's, you're not going to install a full playbook, you know, between game one and game two of the first round of the playoffs against the top seed, but that's not happening. So I don't know, like they're going to have to rely on, you know, a Towns performance like the first half against the Lakers or an Ant performance like we've seen, you know, that second half against the Pelicans last Sunday. Like we're going to have to rely on those dominant performances or suddenly things clicking with this team playing the way that Finch wants them to play. And and there will be plenty of time after the season to evaluate Chris Finch as a coach and evaluate, uh, you know, what should or shouldn't happen this off season. But clearly a coach that is supposed to be um, an offensive-minded coach who's had a lot of success and has had a lot of success as a lead assistant and offensive coordinator in this league and in others. Uh, there's just been a lack of there's there's something there's a disconnect, right? That's maybe the best way to say it between what Finch wants the team to do and what the team is understanding and able to do. And I I I generally agree with the approach of like these guys are pros, give them bumpers, tell them here's the the actions we want to be in, here's how we want to run a secondary break, et cetera, and then figure it out because you guys are great athletes, great shooters, intelligent basketball players. Um, but if the team shows the inability to do that as a coach, you have to adapt. And and I think we're sitting here now after a twenty nine point game one blowout in the first round, wondering what next? Like, are they going to learn this on the fly against the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs? I, I don't know that they are. So I don't know. That's That to me is the biggest concern and it has been for some time now. All right, let's close with individual studs and duds as we always do. 
Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves was brought to us by our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you have to try the best tasty protein bar ever, and that's Built. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I have just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing that you won't even think that they're good for you. You have to try them. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. I don't know how Built does it, but the bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they're actually healthy, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. You can also head to your nearest Walmart today or Sam's Club at Walmart, head to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can also get a four-bar bo- four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box with the hit flavors brownie batter puff and churro puff. Just make sure to thank me later. All right, individual studs and duds. The studs portion of this is much more difficult. Um, by rule, I have to pick three because I've created that rule for myself. And in a game like this, honestly... I don't know that I really have any, uh, but I'm going to try. I thought the Wolves' three best players on the floor, we'll flame it, frame it this way, I thought Kyle Anderson was probably the best all-around player on the floor. There, Like with everybody else, there were moments that weren't great, a couple of four shots, some lackadaisical defensive moments. He's also got to get more than one rebound in 26 minutes. I didn't mention this earlier, but the Wolves are out-rebounded by 16. That's a major factor, obviously. Denver grabbed 11 offensive rebounds. The Wolves only had five offensive rebounds. Kyle Anderson is partly to blame for that. But I thought he helped keep the Wolves in the game in the first half with some of those nice push shots in the paint. He knocked down a big three as well. 11 points, three assists, two steals and a block for Kyle Anderson. Um, I thought in general, he was fine. He's not the one that we're blaming here. A second player, I'm going to have to say Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I know that ultimately Jamal Murray went off. Uh, Alexander-Walker only gave us seven points on six shot attempts, but he was very good defensively early, had a nice block, um, in the second half when the Wolves were trying to hang around. I actually had the best plus minus for any of the Wolves starters for whatever that's worth. I thought the way he played defensively against Jamal Murray to start the game is worthy of some recognition. And I'm not giving that recognition to anybody else in this game. Um, you know, I, I, so I thought he was one of the Wolves three best players. I would say Jalen Noel is the other one. Uh, he had a really nice stretch in the first half as the Wolves were trying to hang around second quarter after the Jordan McLaughlin minutes at the end of the first were miserable. Jalen Noel was kind of the de facto backup point guard um, until garbage time. And I know Kyle Anderson initiated a lot of the offense. Anthony Edwards did, but Jalen Noel was uh, by label was the point guard on the floor for the Wolves. He had 12 points on four of 10 shooting three of six on threes, at least one, maybe two were garbage time, um, two assists and a rebound. But, Nice to see him on the floor. He didn't play on Friday. He did play in the Lakers game last week. So don't be surprised to see him get those quote-unquote backup point guard minutes in game two on Wednesday in Denver. So uh, a pretty solid game for Jalen Dewell off the bench. And frankly, they're going to need his offense if they're going to try and keep pace with Denver's depth. Duds, man. Uh, wow, a whole list to pick from. Where do I start? Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns did not have a good game. He played hard. He was aggressive early. Um can't fault the effort. I never really felt like he was throwing his hands up and and kind of resigning himself to defeat, which at times in his career, like we've all seen that, right? We've seen the flailing. We've seen the, I don't want to say giving up. That's not the right thing to say, but where the effort's just not quite, you know, end line to end line, right? Like we've seen those moments from Cat. I didn't feel that in this game. I thought he played hard. 
Um, just shot the ball poorly. Five of 15, one of seven on threes, missed his only two free throws, which is very weird. He did have 10 boards in 30 minutes. I thought he battled well in the post with Jokic. Joker with Jokic. Um, I don't know, four turnovers. They were all pretty bad. Like just not a good game for Cat, uh, but not through lack of effort. I was fine with his with his effort in this game. The results just were not there. Uh, I, I'll go Torian Prince. No points in 21 minutes off the bench. 0-4 shooting. Missed all three of his three-point attempts. Zero rebounds. So no points, no rebounds in 21 minutes for the player who is supposed to be number two off the bench after Kyle Anderson. Uh, just just a bad performance. We already talked about this, but the 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 Nuggets role players completely outplayed and outclassed Minnesota's role players in this game. Um, that's it. I usually only do two two duds. I'll go there now. Obviously, the Wolves need more out of Mike Conley. He had eight points on five shots. He's got to be a little more aggressive, like he was last week in the playing games. Um, obviously, Ant needs to play better. We didn't talk a lot about him. This was just another kind of meh Ant performance where he just didn't quite look right. He had 18 and five assists, which is nice. Only one turnover, but he was six of 15 shooting, missed a couple of bunnies at the rim after getting nice, you know, a nice first step getting to the bucket and just missing at the rim. That can't happen. Uh, really nothing went the Wolves way in this game. I talked about the rebounding disadvantage. They were a minus, what, 16? Minus 16 on the glass. They were a minus 12 in terms of points in the paint. That was obviously an issue. They also got beaten fast break points 16 to three in this game. So you name a facet in this game, except for free throws where they also didn't shoot the ball well at the line, but neither did Denver. So that was basically a wash. Name a facet. The Wolves struggled there in this game. And that's why they got blown out by the number one seed like that. You play poorly. You're going to get beat badly on the road against the best team in the Western Conference. Now, can they steal a game Wednesday? Sure. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday's show. Why the Denver matchup? Um, the pros and cons of this matchup, we'll call it that, but why the Wolves obviously, like, it sounds silly to say why they still have a chance in this series. Maybe that's a better title for a show after if they lose Wednesday, but um, we'll break down the matchup in a bit more detail and we have two more days to do that. Game two is not until Wednesday night and uh, then returning to Target Center in Minneapolis for Friday's game three. So uh, we'll break down the matchup further here in the next couple of days and uh, here's hoping for a better result on Wednesday. All right, that's all we got for you today. A big thank you for watching the show. A big thank you for listening. A big thank you to those of you who do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. You can watch it, as mentioned, on YouTube, as well as the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also listen on whatever your favorite audio platform is. You can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And a reminder, we'll be back, of course, on Tuesday, further breaking down the matchup. Wednesday, previewing the Wednesday game. Any additional news that comes your way during the week, we'll have it here at Lockdown Wolves. Happy to be your first listen every single day. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.